2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young, and I am excited about this podcast. But first, let me tell you about our sponsors today, or our sponsor. It is the brand So are we that name is taken from first john 4 17 how do i know that because it's it's me i make the t-shirts uh i don't make them teespring makes them i just design them and you can find all the that merch at so underscore r underscore we underscore on instagram and i'm going to give you a promo code that if you use you can get 15% off of your purchase. And if you put DTL podcast as a promo code, you get 15% off. How sweet of a deal is that? So it's the holidays. You want to get some, some gear, some freedom gear for your people. You can get the shirt that said God forgave you a long time ago. There is a shirt that says... Feelings aren't Lord Jesus is. There's just a bunch of cool gospel shirts. I've got a bunch. I'm going to get more. Um, so yeah, 15% off DTL podcast. Uh, you'll enjoy that. But uh, But let me talk to you about our guest today. It's none other than Christian Aparicio. And you've heard him if you've ever listened to this podcast because he is the guy that has the song at the beginning and the end of this podcast. And his story is awesome. He's a young dude, He's but he's my young brother. And I love him. And I'm really, man, the, this podcast is, is dope. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. A lot of good stuff about freedom. So excited that you're here. So buckle up, strap in, all aboard. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Oh my God, life I 
So, bro, um, talk to me about when, how old were you when you uh, first, oh, like, we, you started already? We started this week already? It's recording, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see that, dude. Can you tell if it's recording or not? Uh, yeah, I can hear it now, but I couldn't tell. I was like, what? Yeah, man, of course, bro. Uh, yeah, just talk to me about, like, as a child, did you, man, when we're kids, we really, really don't know very much, but we, we kind of, you grew, okay. Give me your background. Did you grow up in, in the church or did you come into the church? I grew up in the church. You grew yeah, up in so the church? My, yeah, my, uh, my grandfather was Adventist and my grandma was a Catholic convert, and uh, and so all my aunties and uncles grew up Adventist, mm-hmm. and uh, so my mom was one of you know one of them, obviously, because that's their daughter. And uh, yeah, my my dad was Adventist, so Adventist all over the place. So, yeah, I grew up in the church. We grew up um, in a Hispanic church, you know, so. I know something uh, about that a little bit. Wednesday nights, you know, and Saturday mornings and Saturday nights. So, yeah, it was. Social de jovenes. Did they have that when you were growing up? Oh, yeah, it was lit. (laughs) Yeah, back in the day, it was lit, man. Nowadays, unless unless you live in Mexico. Is it's not as hype as what it used to be. Yeah, I didn't grow up in a Spanish church. My mom did. Her dad is a pastor. Her brother is a pastor. Her other brother is like a lay pastor. Uncles, pastors. And so just her life was in the church. Just like on Sabbath, you went to the church and you didn't go home until sunset because there was stuff going on. I did not experience that. Uh, but do you felt like this was like a healthy part of your life? You enjoyed that growing up? Oh, yeah. Um, I enjoyed being at church because of my friends. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, when I was younger, the community, at least at the at the church I grew up, was very vibrant so there was a lot of kids my age that were there when since we were like toddlers all the way through graduating pretty much so yeah we we were always hanging out so 
Um, so that was cool. But, you know, after, after mid high school, like after sophomore year, um, you know, everybody just kind of started leaving. When did you start really getting into the music? Because I'll, I'll say it this way. When I was growing up, playing the guitar in the praise band was like a thing. And then I felt like it stopped being a thing. And you're quite a few years younger than I am. But, and I think it, praise music is coming back around, but in a different way. Um, How so? What do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, okay, so my sister, my twin sister, she started to learn to play the guitar because she wanted to play in the praise band. And they were singing, Lord, I lift your name on high. They were singing Sanctuary. They were singing all these just guitar heavy songs. And so at this time, everyone was playing the guitar. Like when I got to college, every Friday night was a different group up there with a different dude leading out in guitar. And um, it was just like, a move like you learned how to play the guitar or you learned how to play and then i felt like it was dying away and there weren't as many people learning how to do music anymore um there weren't that many song leaders anymore uh maybe i'm tripping and maybe it's still the same way as it's always been but like when when did you like decide oh i'm gonna do this music thing like this is how I'm going to serve the Lord or was it that at all? It was very, um, it was very organic because my dad was a singer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he still is a singer, but my dad, he um, was in a quartet. It was a pretty famous quartet in like the Spanish world of Adventist. Mm-hmm. And what was it called? Um, it was called Ebenezer. So it was. It started in Montemorelos, which is a college in yeah, Mexico. Mexico. And uh, so yeah, he he pretty much uh, did that thing, and to this day he still travels with quartets and stuff. Um, but yeah, so when I was a kid, my mom used to encourage me to sing at church just because she figured you know I had the talent. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you, you your know, daddy's I, son. You your daddy's son. You must have you it. Know? <laughs> She's like, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens, right? Um, whether that's because I used to sing as a kid, I don't know. But I remember at a very early age just practicing, uh, you know, with like pistas at home, you know, huh. um, you know, instrumentals at home. And uh, yeah, just singing on stage. And I remember the first time I ever sang in front of a big crowd was at an ad, an adventure camp. And this was like a statewide camp. So like for those people who are listening, like this camp is like pretty much like all the Adventist boy scouts and girl scouts pretty much for like little <laughs> kids get together. And the whole state of Texas represented was there. And um, they had me sing on stage. And I remember I got so nervous. I started crying and I forgot the words. And like <laughs> one of my homeboys had to go like on stage and like console me while I was up there. It was just wild. 
Um, this this must be a Hispanic thing, bro, because my parents, not my parents, my mom, she got us singing. I'm sure we were like four or five when we first sang in front of church. And none of us have singing talent for real. My mom still says, Richard, Ricardo, you can sing. And she tries to tell me I can sing. But I, I'm, not, I'm not a singer. But from the jump, just like to weed us out to find out if we could actually sing, they, they put us up there or something like that. Yeah. And you're, it up might there, be. and you're up there crying, huh? Yeah, I'm up there crying. So, yeah, at a very, at a, at a very early age, it, it just was a thing. And, you know, it was just something that my mom kept pushing for me to do. And, uh, yeah, I, as, as far as, like, the introduction to music um, and, and using it for church, it was, it was at a very early age. When did you pick up the instruments, like the guitar? I don't know if you play the piano, but when, when did you start picking that up and start working on those things? Um, it was it was when I was 15. So when I turned 15, at the time, I was part of a band with um, my homies from the church I grew up in. Um, and they played guitar and they had, you know, they had started learning. So they played electric guitar. Like they were like shredders, like metalheads. <laughs> so like... Uh, that's the kind of music I was listening to at the time. Like I was jamming out to bands like Avenged Sevenfold and like Covid and Cambria and stuff like that. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so I remember we were in a band and I I just sang. That was my thing, right? Like I I just sang. I I often would play the cajon and sing at the same time, mm-hmm. which was already weird enough, but I did it anyways. And uh, one one day, uh, they were like, "Bro, like, why don't you start playing guitar and, and leading?" And I'm like, "You're right, I should, bro. Like, like why, like why am I not doing that, right?" And uh, so I remember my mom bought me my first guitar, and it was a Fender acoustic like a $300 guitar. It was really nice for my first guitar, actually. But um, yeah, I remember just one night, my friend wrote me chords and he showed me how to play them. And he's like, you're going to play this while you sing tomorrow. And the next day was going to be Saturday. So I literally learned that song overnight to play it the next day. Was it a song that he had written or was this a... No, it was Hosanna. It was Hosanna by Hillsong. <laughs> yeah, so he taught me how to play it. And um, I remember playing it the next day. And my mom was like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> I was like, bruh. Yeah, so uh, it was it was pretty bad. But yeah, that that's like... Uh, yeah, so at 15 is is when I picked up the guitar. And a lot, a lot of it too was like we were writing songs mm-hmm. as as a band together and like I knew how I wanted it to sound in my head. So I would try to explain it to them like, "No, nah, play like this, play like this." But they were like, "Dude, you don't like you don't play guitar." So like you don't get to tell us 
how to play guitar you know so i was like you know what i have to learn how to play so that i can like show you what i'm talking about Uh (laughs) so that was another reason but yeah at 15 is is when i picked that up do you feel like the music really kind of kept you into spiritual things or do you feel like like what was the relationship with with the music and spirituality um music music was just a way of me being me in general so a lot of me was already leaning towards everything spiritual Hmm. but but yeah music was just a big part of who i was even as a kid um just because I was very influenced by like different moods that the music would put me in, you know, and so like like I'm an I'm an artsy boy. Like I'm I'm super artsy, right? At least that's what people say. And um and so a lot of how I grew up was me living out the soundtrack that was in my head, you know, mm. like and and music was a big part of that, you know. So it could be as simple as like me in the car in the back seat with my headphones on, with my CD player, <laughs> you know, listening to a John Mayer CD that like fits the mood so perfectly and my mom's driving, but like I'm so lost in the idea of like this song is me right now, you know. So mm-hmm. So yeah, music was always a part of of my everyday and and uh but so was my pursuit for the spiritual. And so I think it was just natural for them to merge. I don't know so, if that answered your question. No, that answers my question. So then as you're moving on in high school and you said like after your sophomore year, a lot of people started leaving. Um what was your experience? Did you consider you yeah tell me about what your experience was while this was happening yeah i think growing up at in that church it was very much um like tradition so a lot of the kids were there just simply because you know our parents told us we needed to go to church and so we went and so when that stage of life was was over and you know i'll speak for my friends that i knew and for myself like growing up in our household, it was very much like once you turn 17, maybe even 16, like you t- as 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 a man, um, then you kind of take reins of like what your life is going to be. So hmm. whether you're going to start working at that age or whether you're going to start going to college or whether you're going to start, yeah, whatever it is. Um, that's the kind that's the age which the reins are kind of given to you in a hmm. Hispanic home and they're like you know kind of do your thing and so a lot of that ends up being you know if if you grew up going to church then um a lot of them end up leaving because it was never really a thing for them it was hmm. kind of like okay cool I don't have to be here I won't be here you know but you would see him at homeboy's house for a sleepover or whatever because you know we would all hang out 
But for me, it was, um, I, I left that church because I got involved in another ministry. And because at that time, you know, I had already been pretty involved in the whole worship scene and whatnot. And so um, at around the age of 17 and 18, I had already started touring with a group um, that was pretty well known um, in the Adventist world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were, uh, you know, I was touring with them at a very, at a very early age. And so I was always still involved in that, in that scene. So the idea of leaving church was never really a thing for me just because of how involved I was, you know. What was your personal life like? Did it match up with like what you were, I mean, high schoolers, teenagers, guys, um, seems like they're always getting attacked. Was your personal life matching up with what you were singing about? How did you, how did you feel about that? You know what you just said, that last line was like, did it match with what you were singing about? Um, I would have to say, yeah, Hmm. because what I was singing about um, wasn't necessarily all good. So my life for sure reflected uh, a lot of what I was singing about at the time. So a lot of what I was singing about was um, the desire to be more than what I thought I was, you know, so. I remember writing a song um, when I was like 16, 17, and the song said, it says something like, um, uh, how am I still alive when because of my deeds, I'm not supposed to be loved by you, but you take me as I am, you erase all my past and you something, something to start new again. So like, in in that one line like there's a contradiction already and Mm. you might have heard it but like you know obviously i wasn't clear on gospel as a kid but my life was definitely a reflection of that belief of like yeah like i'm i'm a wretched sinner you know and that's what i'm always gonna be but hey you know jesus loves me and so a lot of my experience in worship leading and then the songs I was singing was very much the same. And, um, and so it matched my life. Like my, my life was in that state. My life was a back and forth. My life was double mindedness. My life was me thinking that what I was doing in secret was the truth of who I was not knowing that I was called something else, you know, I have this uh, this little black moleskin diary that I probably have. I had one small one, and then I bought three or four more because they're so dope. Moleskin knows what they're doing. And then I would write in these. And I would also, whenever I was in a church or something, I would take a Steps to Christ every single church I would go to. And the reason behind the moleskin 
diary and the reason behind me taking all these steps to Christ was like I had I had to show that I was really sad about what I had done. And so I would write in these diaries and it would just be like my pleading with God. Like, I am so sorry. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I would like write my prayer requests in them. And in a way I thought like, this is me kind of keeping this relationship with him open and I'm going to be honest with him. And I would take the steps to Christ just because I feel like I needed it. Like I needed to read it. Like I needed, I just like, ah, man, because I felt so awful. And then there would be some victories and then back down again, back to that diary, writing it. I had, I, if you read it, if I go back and read it, it's, it's in my nightstand right now. There's some heartbreaking stuff in there just about how I felt about myself. That's what I hear you kind of saying when you're writing a song. Um, and we all thought this was kind of the way it feels like. Like, how did you feel like, like, did you feel like writing this song was kind of like making penance for, and maybe we all think like that when we're 14, 15, 16. Like, I got to make it up to you somehow. Like, is that how you felt? I was a sad boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, I was a sad boy. Um, but yeah, it, it, now that I think about it, it, it's really interesting how at that age, my posture towards my father was very, like, I'm so, you know, I'm so this, I'm so that. And obviously I know now it's because, you know, the lies that were fed to me, but it's just wild to think that at that age, man, like I was, I was already in that mindset, you know, but it was very much, it was very much a hard cry more than anything. You know, I don't, I don't think I was ever trying to, um, gain approval more so than I was wanting to just cry out mm. in in the, in the weight that I felt of who I was, you know, like almost like a David, you know, I would read a lot of David's stuff and, you know, where David's like talking about how he feels like everything is coming down on him and he's like, yo, just rescue me, right? David was, was the first of... sad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and, you know, it's funny because David, David's, a lot of David's life was full of mess ups with girls. Yeah. And that was my life. And so I, at that age, it was just like, yo like i'm like david you know like here's my heart cry and uh it was never there was never a way around the heart cry it was just kind of like yeah that's that's probably the peak and then you know i get to this moment where i feel like you're close and then it's like 
oh, I had a moment with Jesus. But that's about it. Hmm. So, yeah. I think it would be like my goal for my son, if he ever had like a diary like that, to not write any of that stuff that I ever wrote in mine. For it to be like a completely different whole message in there. Yeah. Okay, but you say you were talking about the lies. Like, what lies were you believing then? Man, I was, I was. Well, let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go. My, my mom is a single mom. Not anymore because she got remarried. But that in itself tells you that at one point she got a divorce, right? And so the lie I was believing was that, number one, I was the product of a divorce, right? That I wasn't lovable because my dad wasn't there. And not just that, but in high school, um, especially, you know, your first love, right? Like you give yourself, like you give everything. And that didn't turn out well. For me. Wait, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about this divorce for a second. Did you know you believed that you were unlovable? Is this like a conscious thought? Like how, how old were you when they got divorced? Well, I know it now, but they got divorced when I was born. And so, so just because he wasn't around, you felt like it was a personal well, was, thing in some ways? I, you know, as a kid, I, I don't think I ever could name it, but I remember right, like, I look back and it's crazy. I used to go around and ask my mom, mom, do you love me? Like just, just a kid, like running around asking his mom, like, mom, do you love me? Uh Do you love me? And she said, yeah, yeah, I love you. Of course I love you. And bro, it was a con, it was weird. It was a constant thing that I was always doing. I was like, mom, do you love me? Do you love me? And one day my mom was like, why do you keep asking me if I love you? Mm-hmm. and I was just like cuss <laughs> like you know <laughs> but yeah like out you know just doing stuff like that as a kid like and moments that mark you for example one of those moments for me was um we're in church you know where I grew up and then they have this moment where they ask all the dads for Father's Day to go up on stage with their kids right because they're going to honor all the fathers and whatever and guess who was the only one that didn't go on stage? Mm. Like, bro, I remember just feeling the weight of that moment of like, dang, I don't have a dad, mm. you know? And, the, you know, this this uh, um, this member of the church who's a really good friend of ours, you know, came and took me up there with his sons or whatever. But I'm like, bro, you're not my dad, bro. Like, you know? <laughs> um but yeah moments moments like that mark you you know and um that led that led to me believing all sorts of lies but yeah as far as the divorce thing um that's that's kind of what it looked like you know for me as a kid and so then you're in high school and you start making stupid decisions with girls and that that kind of led to more lies i i really didn't do anything stupid i think the probably the most stupidest thing was 
Um, oh, you got your heart broken. Out, when I made out with the girl in front of my teacher. <laughs> and he was like, what are you doing, bro? Like, I was like, what? It's my first kiss, dog. Like, chill. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's probably the stupidest thing I ever did. But, but you got your heart smashed. But I got my heart smashed, bro. I got my heart smashed. And not only did that happen once, but it happened twice. And it happened in the same way where the girl that I was with ended up with another dude. Oh, not cool. So, not cool, bro, right? So, you can imagine a 15, 16-year-old, 14, I don't know, like high school kid, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> Going through that twice, not only that, but I already feel like, yeah, you know, like crap. And uh, yeah, man, like it just it just sucked for me. And so all the while, here's here's the flip side of what my high school years looked like. I was basically I was basically one of the the main kids in my high school. Like I was the basketball captain. I was soccer captain. I was the worship leader. I was the pastor of the class. I was this i was that i was the one i was the one kid of the school that was touring like you know Mm -hmm. like it was it was it was pretty crazy how um in my heart i felt that i deserved more because of who i was Hmm. you know but i i never got what i really wanted so those are lies on top of lies and so now you're singing these songs that are kind of like the psalms in many ways right Mm -hmm. um so how did like yeah how did that how did that play itself out that period of your life going through that time did you feel like that was what it was to be a christian absolutely i felt like i was the I was the epitome, uh, if that's the word, I was the epitome of what it looked like to be a young man who was fully devoted to Christ, fully involved in church, fully involved in his passion and his talents or whatever. Like, I thought I was the embodiment of the top. Hmm. But I was, but I was empty. And I knew I was empty because I knew what I was doing in the background, whether that was resorting to pornography or whether that was me actually like resenting the fact that, you know, I had positions of leadership that really didn't mean anything or whatever. But yeah, go ahead. Did you believe like, that the lust was like a part of that, like this is a part of the life that we just battle this and battle that? Or did you think you were like, nobody knew what you were doing and so you were different and nobody was experiencing this, but you had to hide it? Like, was that, did that make you some kind of degenerate or did that make you, or did you feel like, well, this is what it's like to be a Christian? I definitely thought it was what it was like to be a Christian. 
um, just because, um, it like for me, the I you know just the whole thing of of lust and um, addiction to it really started at a very young age for me. So it was way before high school. It was like fourth grade. Wow. So yeah, I was first introduced to pornography when I was in fourth grade, um, by a family member, believe it or not. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> like you know looking back at it um he didn't know any better right um you know we were we were in school and you know we were in the restroom hanging out and he goes up to the ceiling grabs a magazine from the tile that we hid on top or whatever yep and uh he's like bro look at what homeboy brought from wherever wherever and yeah, that was my first, that was my first introduction to it. And from there, then I became the one introducing people to X, Y, Z, you know? So yeah, from a very, from a very early age, um, it was a thing. And so when I remember it was when I was a sophomore in high school, shout out to Edre Santos who is a chaplain in Colorado right now hmm. in one of, in one of our hospitals, but he was my Bible teacher, but he was a brother. He was a mentor. Hmm. And, um, he was the one that really got me into pursuing my own relationship with Christ. And, um, he introduced us to this book by Francis Chan called crazy love. Um, I don't know if you've ever read it or seen it. I've heard it's it. Super, yeah super popular but this book although not fully presenting the gospel to me what it did was introduce me to the love of god Hmm. and the magnitude of what it means to be loved by a creator um and so that's what kind of began the introduction of like hold up like even though I'm all these things in my head, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I fall short, you know, right? I'm still loved by an amazing God. So how can I not give my life to serve? Hmm. You know, how can I not like give my talents and, and everything I have to, you know, to demonstrate how much I appreciate the fact that he loves me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I kind of lost track of where I was going, but the idea of, um, yeah, we'll just cut it there. Yeah, your chaplain, uh, you, your chaplain puts you onto that book while you're yeah. in the middle of struggling with this Christian life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That also involved you slipping up. Um, when it came to porn, did you try to not look at it, or were you just like resigned to? I don't, I couldn't stop if I wanted to. Bro, I, I tried all sorts of things. Like I would, uh, I would read, I would read magazines that would try to help me. <laughs> like, like I was, uh, I was counseling myself basically. Um, so yeah, I tried, I tried everything not to do it, but I always ended up going back. Cause you felt you just felt the shame and you felt complete guilt just because it was happening. Oh, oh, why did I, what, 
Why did I like try to that, stop doing it? Yeah. Oh, just because, you know, in the deeper parts of me, I knew what I was doing was wrong. It was like, yeah, I shouldn't be doing this, especially because I have a girlfriend. I was a, a girl came to talk to me, um, not just one-on-one, make sure, put that out there. There was other people there, but she wanted to talk about this issue. And she was like, yeah, I don't think it's a problem. I said, okay. And she's kind of looking at me strange. And she's, she's like, you don't, you don't think it's a problem? I was like, look at it if you want to look at it. And she just kept, kept looking at me weird. And then we kept talking about it. And she's like, well, why are you saying this? And I'm like, I'm not going to try to convince you that pornography is destroying you. Whether you believe me or not, it will do its job in, in hurting you. It will prove itself. And about 35 minutes later into the conversation, she was like, I want to stop. I, I do think it's horrible. <laughs> I do think it's destroying me. Or like, I just, I don't know how. And it kind of reminds me of what you're saying is just like, no matter what, there's something inside of a human being that says this is not right. Mm-hmm. Like this, it can't be right. You can convince yourself all day and all night that it's okay. But at the end of the day, unless you suppress it, suppress it, suppress it, and just lie to yourself, you could probably convince yourself, I guess. But to heart that, yeah, there's something that just pulls you and says no. And then the enemy puts this lie onto you and says, oh, you need to do this and this and this. He'll, he'll, he'll pull all the different tricks um, to keep you in that low, low space, to keep you from your father. Um, to describe like the enemy's tactics on you during that time. Man, it would, I remember when I first met Jonathan, Mm-hmm. I was my answer to everything. I was fifteen, <laughs> <laughs> but I was I I was fifteen when I first met Jonathan, and I remember that summer they asked me to like give my testimony, right? For mm-hmm. whatever reason, I was there helping with worship or whatever. So I go on stage and I'm like, "Hi, my name is Christian Aparicio, and I am a porn addict." Dang. And that's how I start my testimony. And then the whole thing is about how, you know. I bet you got everybody's attention real quick. (laughs) Oh, I did. And everybody afterwards was like, bro, like, I love that you were so vulnerable and sharing that, like, whatever, like, you know. Well, I cut you off. You were saying I'm a porn addict. What did you say after that? Well, I forget what I said after that, but it was basically (laughs) everything about me falling short. But the God of gods, even in the midst of me doing the nasty loves me regardless. And all I want to do is give myself to him, Hmm. you know, but did I know how to No. but that was my testimony, bro. 
so you asked, you know, what was the what was the enemy's tactics? Well, the enemy's tactics was keeping me half alive and half dead. You know, just keeping me in that loop of like, yeah, bro, you 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 kind of suck, but you know, it's cute that you're trying to pursue Christ and all that, but you know, just know that you're always gonna suck, bro. You know, the the enemy's lie was keeping me. keeping me hungry for more you know um man we buy into this way of thinking people think this is this is our lives this is how we should live mm -hmm. that we're always going to be basura and when jesus comes he'll finally get us out of it that's trash for we're always going to be <laughs> that we're always going to be trash like but we're trash that jesus loves that mindset is like nobody s says it like that but that's kind of what you're preaching you know what i'm saying that's what people are that what that's that was your testimony right um low-key trash but jesus loves me <laughs> yeah bro well man one of the biggest lies i remember hearing as a kid believing as a kid and even telling other people is that the whole thing of like you know what you do in secret you know when you're by yourself in your room and you're doing the thing you're not supposed to be doing that's who you really are Ooh. And I remember I used to take that to the bank, dude, and be like, dang, I guess I'm freaking messed up. Because the only thing I keep doing when no one's watching is feeding my addiction. And, and so you now, were your addiction. And so I was my addiction, bro. So that that's what's crazy is that, you know, even though I had these titles even though i was involved even though i grew up in the church even though i sang even though i did this what kept me humble quote unquote mm -hmm. was me being able to tell people nah but you don't know who i really am though and that was it's so perverted it's such a twisted way of thinking to be like to to, to think that my humility comes from the the ugliness i think i am you wow. know and to and to think that you know god uses filthy rags and i'm one of those filthy rags you know but i'm just grateful to be used man i bet you right now we could go on the canva and make like a sunset little meme and put I'm a filthy rag, but God uses filthy rags and put it on Instagram and be getting tons of likes. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. hundred percent. People be yeah. buying into that mug. It's wild, bro. You look at all our stories. You look at your story. You look at my story. I mean, people are hearing my story, so, you know, but we 
we we all bought into that lie at one point you know so you're still doing this music thing you're 15 let's move on to age 16 17 like (laughs) (laughs) so as you're growing you're maturing you're still kind of in this hamster wheel this rut believing these lies um what happened how did it manifest itself in your life yeah, so uh, fast forward, let's fast forward to senior year of high school. Let's do it. So Skip senior, junior so year, nothing happened. Sophomore year, yeah. it went down. Senior year. Yeah, so let's, skip, let's go to senior year of high school. Senior year of high school, I broke up with um, a girl I had dated for a while. And, um, man, she was, she was like the one, you know? And I was like, dang, like, this girl is dope. And um, I'm... Unfortunately, um, you know, that relationship went south, but I remember being in the mind that my mindset switched that year. And it was pretty much the mindset of like, F the world, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do me. And why did it switch? Do you know? It switched because when did it like, because, because of the lies of, at the end of the day, no matter how much I try to be loved, the only one that's gonna like be able to like take care of me is me type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it, it switched because it was like, yo, I'm done being heartbroken. You know, I'm done like just being a, a little side piece type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna do me. So I said, you know, for you, for you know, forget the world. Like, I, and I remember that year, Drake's "Nothing Was the Same" album came out. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that joint was a soundtrack of my year. Cause Is that the one was started from the bottom as the first single. Yeah, and you know, there's a song that's like, you know, I got never loved love us. Oh yeah, never loved us. Now you want to roll one? Yeah. So like. Yeah, that that whole that was my attitude, man. That was my mindset, and uh, that spilled into my college years. So I started my freshman year of college with the attitude of like, forget the world, I'm gonna do me, right? Everybody had always said, "Yo, you really have a calling to ministry. You should go into ministry," but I said, "Forget the world," like, you know. I don't care. I'm going to go do me. So I was like, let me go to a school that is out of state because I don't want to be around here. Let me go to Southern Adventist University. College <laughs> <laughs> Dale, Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. And let me go where everybody says they'll end up with somebody because I really want to end up with somebody. Southern Matrimonial College. That's what they used to call it back in the day. And, uh, and I went for graphic design. So let me tell you that because that attitude and mindset spilled into my freshman year of college, that year was a disaster for me, bro. So I think, what, I'm 18 at the time. And I'm there. For, I, I was just there for a year. But in that one year, I failed fitness twice. And you failed a year, class called fitness? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm get you that. I'm gonna get you. I'm just like you, a fit guy. How'd you fail that? Like you just didn't show yeah. up to class. I just didn't wear the heart rate monitor that was required for the class. <laughs> People that go to Southern are like, okay, that's understandable though. That, like I get it. I get it. Yeah, like I was, I was so focused on my image and who I was. I was hitting the gym every single day, but I was failing like three of my classes, right? I was talking to this girl who had a boyfriend over here. I was talking to this other girl who had a boyfriend over there. Like, I was all about me. Hmm. You know, because I said, man, forget what I've been doing. Like, like I'm just going to do it my way. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, bro, I remember even at the time with that with that band i was touring with in high school mm-hmm. um so the guys i would I, I i toured with um they were it's it's two brothers and they were both of my teachers so i was doing music with my teachers and we were touring it was crazy it was weird but it was cool <laughs> so we ended up doing a show while i was a freshman so I had to go out to, you know, I had to fly out to wherever we were doing it. And I remember them looking at me and telling me, like, you're different. You're not okay. Mm. Like, what's wrong with you type of thing? Like, so it was crazy how, like, even that mentality had manifested in, like, me as a person. Like, people could see it, you know? people that really know me. So I screw up my freshman year to the point to where my mom, like, like I had been lying to my mom throughout the year telling her like, nah, I'm doing good. Like, you know, this and that, like, right. But little does she know that I'm not doing well. And long story short, I, after that year, I ended up back home in Texas, right? And um, at this point, my parents are frustrated with me, my stepdad and my mom, because I pretty much ruined my whole first year of college. uh, And they were supporting me at the time. And um, they're like, what are you doing with your life, you know? And um, so I remember just rethinking it and I was like, man, like, like, I don't like, I don't like this, you know, like, I don't want to be in this, like, this isn't me, you know, like, um, I even remember at the time, like, I was still talking to one of the girls that I had been talking to at Southern and she had a boyfriend, but I was still talking to her. Anyways, and I didn't know it, but at the time, spirit told me, like, what are you doing? Hmm. If you were, you've been at the other end of this and you didn't, you didn't like the way that turned out. So what are you doing, doing that to somebody else? Hmm. And I remember that night is when I cut it and I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Right. Um, 
And so from there, it was like, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to change my life. Right. So my attitude was still F the world. I'm going to do this. But now it was like, I want to do right by me type of thing. <laughs> so it's funny how it went from, I'm going to do anything I want to like, now nah, I got to get my life shaped, but I got to do it. Through discipline. You know what I'm saying? Like I got to prove something. And um, it started becoming a lot of trying to prove to my parents that I wasn't what they thought I was. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so. Um, yeah, I, at that time, it was a really toxic place in my home. Um, my mom was going through some stuff. I really don't know what it was, but uh, at the time, my stepdad was going through some stuff as well. My my stepbrother had just been thrown in jail for like the second time, and he had been on probation after he had already been in jail for like five years. Mm. And so my my stepdad starts going to depression, and so you can imagine them going through their stuff, me not living up to what they thought a good son would be, then the other one goes to jail, and the house is just a mess. And, uh, you know, it gets to the point to where um, they're like giving me ultimatums and my stepdad's like, yo, either you do things the way we want you to do them or you can't live here type of thing, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so at the time, I remember I had set my mind to go to Southwestern to do theology school. And that was just because so, you were going to do it different, right? Just because I was like, you know what? All right, I guess I'll try out this pastor thing type of thing, right? <laughs> That's but how I, people want to go into the ministry. All right, well, let me just try out this pastor thing right quick. That's your call to the well, ministry. <laughs> here's what's funny. What people don't know is that people who are fresh into ministry and people who go into the army aren't that different hmm. because either it's i don't know what to do with my life and so i'm gonna do this so that it can hopefully give me direction hmm. or it's i have a sense of calling and i think this is the only way to serve hmm. you know i'm not saying that that's everybody but those are two very similar things that I see that you find in the military and you find in people who try to go into ministry. But at least for my life, it was like, okay, people say I got a calling on this, then let's give it a shot. Like, you know, like I love God, you know, mm -hmm. at least I, I thought I did. So I was like, you know, let me give it a shot. And so I started getting my GPA up and, um, yeah, it it didn't it ended up coming down to me having to leave the house. So hmm. I left my I left my mom's house and I went to go live with my aunt. And I started school at Southwestern. So a lot of it too was when people would ask me about my faith or what I believed, my only response was, Well, I'm a seventh day Adventist and I go to church on Sabbath and here's why. Hmm. Right. And so 
I myself wasn't satisfied with that answer. And so I was like, man, I need to know what the heck I'm talking about. Like, what do I even believe? Like, I call myself an Adventist, right? And so my head's wrapped around the idea of like, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, not necessarily a Christian, right? It's like, how am I going to be doing this thing if I don't even know what I believe? How am I going to be a pastor if I don't really, you know? So let me go to school so that I can fully understand everything that I'm supposed to believe. That way I can better articulate it, right? Mm-hmm. That's weird. I just did the. <laughs> no one can see that listening to the podcast. He just did a funny hand motion. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I ended up at Southwestern. And I'm back in Texas where I had my reputation. and. A lot of the people there at Southwestern know me for, you know, leading worship and for doing this and for doing that. And, you know, so I'm, I'm like getting back in the groove of like, all right, cool. Like, you know, like I'm back at it. Like, this is me. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. you're getting your identity, your old identity back in some ways. Yeah. It's all about, you know, my position and, what I do and how I do it. And then I get a call to go to Hawaii. And that made my ego boost. It was like, oh shoot, they're calling me to go to Hawaii. You know what I'm saying? What year was this? How long ago was this? This is 2018. Not too long ago. Not too long ago. So, it's like, oh, shoot, I get a call to go to Hawaii. And in my head, I'm thinking, like, this is dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get to go be worshiped in Hawaii. Like, and then my friend's been to Hawaii. Like, you know? Yeah. Little did I know it was going to change my life forever. Little did you know. Little did I know. So uh, you went to Hawaii. We're all with bated breath right now. What happened, bro? <laughs> so I go to Hawaii to help out with this thing called the Love Reality Tour. And the Love Reality okay. Tour. It's been mentioned once or twice on this podcast. It's been mentioned once or twice. Right? And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, just another worship event that I'm going to do. And, you know, I'm going to do my thing and probably make some friends. You know, I'll probably swim on the beach and then get out of there. Um. And I had met Jonathan again, you know, when I was like 15, so we knew each other. And um, this is the uh, the lead guy from the Love Reality Tour, the the main guy. Yeah, well, one of the main speakers. Right. I wouldn't say he's the main guy anymore. He's one of the main speakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He he wants people he wants people to know that he's not the main guy. I'll just say it like that. Okay. Sure, yeah. Jonathan. <laughs> we'll go with that. Anyways, so while I'm out there, I um I start hearing this dude speak. And I'm like, what in the world is he saying? But yeah, I remember me and him are driving in a van. And uh, I'm like, bro, so, you know, what's this whole thing about? Like, this thing that you're preaching about, like, you know, what's, you know, what is this? Whatever. And he's like, I'm going to ask you a question. I was like, okay. He's like, what's your relationship to sin? And I'm like, uh, 
you just y'all just heard my life story so you already know what my answer is going to be i was like uh i'm a straight up sinner mm-hmm. you know like i am a mess um it, it's just natural you know human nature and he's like all right read hebrews chapter 10 so i started reading hebrews chapter 10 and i'm gonna go for the law was a shadow of the things to come and so my mind is already going when i hear that line because i'm like hold up what and i keep reading and then it gets to verse 14 that says for by one sacrifice he has forever made perfect those who are being sanctified and jonathan's like what does that say about you and my mind's like just exploding because i had never read this in my life before hmm. and i'm like it says that i'm perfect and that he set me apart hmm. and he's like all right now read romans chapter 6 verse 11 and it says, so you must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He's like, so what does that say about you? And I look at him and I'm like, bro, why have I never seen this? Which is probably what we've all reacted to, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's crazy to think that Man, 22 years up to that point in my life had been lost in believing that I was no better than my worst action, than my worst thing that I had done. Hmm. And like, man, it's crazy. I remember I was on a plane ride not too long ago and I was just thinking about, you know, what we get to live in now. And as the plane's taking off, I see everything just begin to get smaller. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there's a person. I was like, there's a person driving the car there. There's a person in that building. There's a person in that house. And I began to think about like my mindset that I had prior to freedom. And I was like, from up here. those people's problems are incomparable with the grandness of what God can do and what God is. Like you're talking about like a being so small, but we make our problems so big just because of how much the lie is like weighted over us. Mm. And it hit me in that moment of like, dang, like my life was like, like imagine like the grandness I could have experienced like, as you know as a young man knowing that i was free and uh you know i wasn't beating myself up or whatever but it was just a light for like me to recognize like man like i get to see the world now the way he sees it you know i get to see the grand picture of it all in its true light but back to hawaii Man, I remember it was just hitting me, man. And at the time, you know, I believed I was nothing more than an addict to pornography. I was no better than 
you know, my, my actions, I was no better than the last time I had slept around. I was no better than X, Y, Z, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. and I remember going on a hike with Jonathan and Jonathan's like, you know, so how are you receiving this thing? And I'm like, well, I want it. Like, like I want it. it, it it's, it's me. Like, I, and he's like, so what's keeping you from actually believing that it's true about you? And I'm like, having a hard time trying to take it out. I was like, my, my sin. And he's like, well, okay, well, like, name it. What's the thing? And the shame of thinking that if I named it, it would be true about me. Mm. Wanted to keep me suppressed. And I was like, I just named it. I was like, I'm born at it. Like, I've had sex before, marriage. I've done this. For people who know me and y'all have never heard that, I'm free. So, whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, I've done this, I've done that. I've said these things. I've had these thoughts, whatever. And he's like, all right, cool. What's the truth about all that? in light of what God has done and in light of what he says you are. And I remember at the time, like in my head, like, like I, I, I knew what I wanted to be true, but, but even then in that moment, it was like, nah, but like, it can't be that easy, you know? Hmm. And uh, yeah, man, it, at the end of that week I was leaving and I was at the beach and we had just witnessed a baptism and then Jonathan comes in and he prays a word over my life that I would receive a heart of repentance, you know, that I would receive the gift of the spirit over my life, bro. And it's crazy because on the plane ride back home, I opened my Bible and for the first time in my life, that line right there, bro, that just hit me. For the first time in my life, it it was real for me. Mercy. Yeah, that just hit me, man. For the first time in my life, I was a son of the king. Like, I for real was a son of the king. For the first time in my life, I was loved. But like, truly loved, you know? At least for the first time in my life, I knew that I was loved. Hmm. For the first time in my life, I knew that I was blameless, that I was holy, that I was righteous. And I absolutely knew it had nothing to do with me. Mercy. You know? And that's what blew my mind, man. And uh, I remember I got back and the first thing I did was I had to go lead worship for like a summer camp that this Sunday church was doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I had only been through, you know, one week of LRT. So I really didn't know how to express anything. But I remember sitting at the table with some of the worship leaders that we were doing it with and 
we're talking and this stuff just starts flowing out of my mouth and we start going to these scriptures and I start like, you know, directing them to like this here and that there. And like, it was, it was so clear. And I'm like, how is this even coming out of my mouth? And I call Jonathan and I'm like, bro, you won't believe what just happened, man. Like I just freaking like poured out gospel and I didn't even know like what I was saying, when it was coming out. And he's like, yeah, that spirit, you dummy. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is what I tell people is that ever since that day, there hasn't been a week. I mean, there hasn't been a day that I that I don't talk to anybody about gospel. So it's all you it's what you're about now, huh? A hundred percent. Do you remember the moment that it, that was it on the plane that you just accepted it? That you believed it? No, it was on the plane that I, that it, it was shown to me. It, it was on the plane that spirit just like revealed the truth. Like it was like, it's crazy. It was like a blanket was like just removed from off of me and I was able to see it it was wild you know we we often use the um, illustration of wearing the wrong glasses you know mm-hmm. and so it was literally like I took off a blurry pair and I put on new ones and I was able to see everything clearly it was crazy so that was summer 2018? 2018, yeah. So what's been the journey since then? Like, were you still at Southwestern? Did you go back to Southwestern fall of 2018? I dropped out. Just dropped out? You're just like... Because, go back to why I was at Southwestern. You were going to prove everybody wrong by being a pastor? Well, I was there also to clarify what it was that I believed. Huh. And we're not saying, by the way, just a public service announcement, we're not saying drop out of college. Anybody I, listening to I, this? I just play. If the spirit says not just play. Yeah. No, I um yeah, it was it was a it was a cutthroat decision of like not yeah I'm not I don't have to go back that was yeah it was done. And so what what has been? You said you talked to somebody about it every day. What has been your life since then? You've just been just what is the what is how's God been fathering you, teaching you through this this time? Well, um, since then. I dropped out of college and I started touring with LRT full time. So my journey has been a nomadic one mm-hmm. where, you know, Jonathan and I were the only ones touring for at least a year um, together. You know, we would meet up with different team members here and there, but for the most part, it was just me and him on the road. And so a lot of my growth in this has been 
just me on a plane by myself in the secret place. Hmm. You know, me in the hotel rooms where we stay in the secret place by myself, you know. Um, me in the shower because Jonathan's asleep, you know, in the secret place by myself. And when I come out of those moments, the only thing that comes out of me is nothing but my father, you know? So it doesn't matter, you know, who I'm talking to. The only thing that comes out is, is what he would say, you know, is what, is what my father would say is what my father wants to do. And I think that's the most wildest thing about this whole journey is that what my father has been teaching me is that, like I'm, I was born to be like him. Hmm. And a lot of people think that's blasphemy, but I was born to be like him. I was born to be like my brother, Jesus. And if you don't see it on Jesus, then I don't want it on me, hmm. you know? It's, um, yeah, it's been it's been a journey of learning from learning from mistakes you know that that I make here and there but I have people like you and I have people like Jonathan who um, are my brothers and I have sisters in this thing too that call me out to live according to who I am Hmm. you know not according to what i what i used to be and that's the coolest thing man. we were just talking about that today here with the people is, is that man we what a privilege it is to actually do life with people who don't see you for what you were but see you for who you truly are mercy you know and and they push you in in and tenderness and in care and with patience and with love just for the sake of love like you know and and it and it's so true and it's so genuine it's not fake it's not motivated by a false motive it's and it's it's just so free there's no pressure like i'm not trying to upper hand you i'm not trying to be the one who thinks higher than you. I'm not trying to be the one who outplays you. Like we just do life together because it's what it's supposed to be, you know. Um, yeah, the first time I met you was September 2019 when we were all in Lincoln. And it was like we were homeboys for five years before that. It felt like it's like, oh no, we're boys, like facts, and yeah, and almost immediately because, I mean, I think this is what the church is. Is like well, you and I have some things in common, maybe more than other people, just because we both love ball, we both love hip hop, we both love 
sneakers. But I can say the same thing about Emily Koo. Like, she's my sister. You're my brother. And the baseline is that we both have this understanding of this good gospel thing. So no one's positioning themselves. Like, that first, like, there's nothing like being with God's people, bro. There's nothing like it. Um, and it's, it's how we're meant to do life. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is awesome. So talk to me about the praise songs you were singing before and what the praise songs you're singing now. And I've always thought like praise songs hit different when you believe the words, like it's just different. Like, how has that been? You, you, you did music for so many years before freedom. And now that you're free, what, what does it look like? How's it different? I mean, before I used to sing stuff like, amazing love, how could it be? You're my king would die for me. But now it's like, oh, I'm free. Free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all of everything. Yeah, we're free. You know? Like, I declare it now. Because it's true. You know, it's not something... I remember a mentor, you know, with all the greatest intentions, told me, he's like, when you sing things, even though you don't feel it, sing it in hopes that it could be true about you. Hmm. And I remember that helped me for a long time because it was like, yeah, I might not feel it, but I'm gonna sing it in hopes that it could be true. Like, you know, right? Like, let me, let me hope that God loves me. But now it's like, I sing because it's absolutely 100% fact, you know? Um, I don't got to plead for it. I don't got to beg for it. I don't got to chant for it. It is what it is. You know? And uh, I started rapping. Yeah, I kind of wanted to to end the the podcast with, I wanted to ask you about these songs, bro. If if you haven't figured out the voice that you're listening to, uh, the song at the beginning made for it, that's your boy. And then the song at the end, uh, oh, I'm tripping gold. Uh, what's the name Outsiders. of this? Outsiders. I'm like, stay gold. Okay. I want you to first, let's talk about outsiders. Cause if you listen to the, the first, what was it probably four episodes? Outsiders was the, the song at the beginning. And this is the artist, uh, who sings that song. Tell us about outsiders. And how, like, it came, like, the thought process behind you writing the song, how long it took to write the song. Yeah, so Outsiders took uh, about, like, a month to complete. Um, But Outsiders, it started with, well, it was the first one to be, like, all right, this is, like, I want to put out music, and I'm going to start doing it, and this is the one I'm going to release first. Right, so I remember just, you know, playing the beat over and over and over, just thinking, like, you know, how the heck am I going to make this something, first of all, that brings life to people, and second of all, that hits, 
you know what I'm saying? Like, it's got to be a banger. So, <laughs> it's got to be a banger. So, people tell me it is. So, um, it's, it's a banger, bro. But, yeah, when I started writing it, um, right, let me see if I can pull up the lyrics right here. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's your favorite lyric in that song? She look kind of bougie. <laughs> but she bad, though. No, that's not. She bad. So, um, yeah, I mean, just like people that have been listening to this whole podcast, like if they listen to the lyrics now, I think it's super cool because they'll see where I'm coming from. Uh-huh. I like that's the coolest thing, you know. So it's like, finna go shoot, can't stop till we make it to the moon. It's too late, can't stop it. It's a boom. No, I cannot wait till you approve. I got people with me on the other side. I can't wait till you approve. To go into that a little bit, was that from like you go like wanting the approval and now you don't need it anymore? Wanting to prove people wrong or wanting to yeah, prove that you were like, worthy? Now it's like I I really don't care what you think in light of what I should be and all these other things because I've been approved you know so now it's no longer F the world now it's like praise the Lord so he uh, he's approved of me so I don't need anybody else's approval you know what I'm saying so because you don't need their approval how does it lead to you treating them Oh, it leads me to loving people way better than I could have ever loved them. Because now I don't need them to like me in order for me to love them. You know? Now now I don't need people to support my mission for me to actually start doing what I know I should be doing. Hmm. You know? There's a lot of people out there who don't start their their dreams or what God's put on their heart because they lack the approval of somebody very important in their life. But it's like, bro, like they don't, like they're not the one that put that in your heart, you know? The Lord did. And he's already approved of you. Oh, what is the the lyric in that song where he says, I searched the world and it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise. And what does he say? Something in fame wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. But then you came along. You put me back together. That's the cut right there. I heard you sing That's that song. It. You did hear me. At a wedding that I was at recently at. So what's the lyric after uh, I cannot wait yeah, till you approve? I got people with me on the other side. That's you. Holla. No, this ain't a fake it till you. Oh, no, that's that's another version of it that I didn't put in. How weird uh, I got people on the side. Spirit on me too bright. I see they're trying to ride. Coming out for the night. Is that come alive? Coming out for the fight. Yeah, we stay alive. And then it goes. Uh, Holla if you ready. Come and see me. <laughs> and then it goes. Uh, put your hands down. We ain't come with questions. Yeah, we've been down. So what about that we don't come up questions? What is that, bro? Yeah, so that one, um, man, when you present, when you when you when you whip that gospel truth, people <laughs> have people have probably encountered this is that when you present the gospel to somebody who grew up the way we did, 
are probably going to have a lot of questions just like we did, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think the cool thing is that, you know, now we say this all the time, we don't have a whole bunch of questions. We just got one amazing answer, Hmm. you know? So um, that's the idea behind, hey, put your hands down. Because we ain't come with questions yet. We've been there. Uh, and then Creed, I am Adonis, watch the hands now. Went from thinking broke to living rich now. And that line, that line to me is freaking dope because it's like, yeah, like I used to think I was broke in all sorts of ways. You know, I thought I was broke in life. I thought I was broke in love. I thought I was broke in spirit. And the way I was, but now I'm not, you know? Man, I'm not sure if I've told this story on the podcast. If I have, I'm sorry. But um, remember when we were at the the basketball tournament and you, me, and Tyler were sitting next to Jason Terry and we're asking him all these questions about LeBron and all this stuff. Somebody took a picture of me and Jason Terry talking and uh, they sent it to me. And uh, I ended up sending it to Jonathan and he texted me back and he was like, there's one of the richest people in the world and a guy who played in the NBA for a few seasons. Yeah. Meaning like we are, we are, we're rich because we actually understand what we have. Straight up. So we went to, from living broke. We're from thinking broke. To <laughs> thinking broke rich. to living rich. Yeah. And then busting with the twosie, watch me slide now. That's a Drake shout reference. Out to, shout out to Drake. Shout out to Drake. She look kind of bougie and she bad now. And she bad. And uh, mama think I made it. Is you proud now? No, that was just a a lot. Like I'm not saying like, look, mom, like, are you proud of me? It was just like, you know, just trying to say like, I appreciate you, mom. Anyways. Holler when you're ready, come and see me. <laughs> working all day, working all night. I do it for the kids and for my city. I cannot fall, I got the light. Man, that do it for the kids thing is so real, bro, because that's part of the reason why I really started rapping is that I got little cousins who just listen to garbage. And I was like, bro, I, w- I want to give you something really dope to listen to, you know? And so, like, I got a little cousin who, <laughs> this is a funny story, I got a little cousin who called his dad and was like, yo, did you hear Christian's song yet? And his dad was like, nah, not yet. But what'd you think? It was all right. He's got potential. <laughs> <laughs> I've had several people contact me about, like, yo, who's singing on the track at the beginning? Or what's that song? Uh, someone just this last week asked me about uh, Made For. They're like, yo, what is that song? And so I sent them, hit them with the link. Hit them That's with the link. And they were like, That's oh, cool. shoot. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Do it for the kids and for my city, man. I cannot fall. I got the light. Spirit on me. Watch it calm down. All the demons, let them know. Outsiders, we've been around. Pointy boy, we stay and go. Let's go. So. That's what's up. Yeah, so, man. yeah, what what is your favorite? You think you have one, or they're all your kids, all your lyrics? You can't pick one. I think, I think my favorite one is "I'm cutting ties with the spirit trying to play with me." Yeah, 
just because of the mood it carries. Yeah. And like when it cuts in the song, I feel like that's that's a that's a lyric that like gets people like in their in their like hell yeah type of like <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not having it. it. I'm not yeah, having I'm, it. What about uh, Made For, bro? This is the, your newest song. Uh, yeah. What, what? So made it's a for, different vibe. Yeah, so Made For, I actually finished before Outsiders. But I didn't put it out because I didn't feel like it was the first one. Mm-hmm. But it was the first one that made me cry out of my songs. So it made me cry because one, I had produced it myself, like everything. Like I made the beat, like I did my vocals, I mixed it, I mastered it, like everything. And when it got to the part, like when it, there's, there's a part it gets to, but like it, because it's so real to me, what I'm saying is so real to me. I was like, dang, like, if it hits somebody the way it hits me, like, oh, that's, that's the coolest thing, you know? And uh, I just started crying because I was like, like, this is only happening because of what spirit has done in my life, you know? Mercy. So it was cool. But yeah, I mean, on my soul, it's like the price. Yeah, it's paid for. Oh my God, this is the life I was made for. You know what I'm saying? We do amazing. I think that pretty much speaks for itself, you know. That's it. And then it goes, put off the chains, we bounce up for the night, look out. God give me life, no clout. This for the lost and found. So it's not just for the found, but it's for the lost too, you know. This is for the lost and found. We taking the heat. Okay, I think I think you'll relate with this one. We taking the heat as part of the game because when you believe, ain't nothing the same. They hate on the speech, but we got the flame. Just look at the heart, because we are the same. Dang. Yeah, so that's what, man, for anybody who starts walking in freedom, let me tell you that the road is not going to be easy. Even in light of, like, sharing gospel with someone as close to you as, like, your friends and family. Hmm. Because where there's darkness, darkness always hates the light. So, you know, I've had moments where I'm sharing gospel with, friends or family but they don't take it like they don't take it easy like they they actually have a hard time receiving the goodness of the gospel just because they're so wrapped up in their change you Mm -hmm. know and it really comes down to like are people ready to die or not you know i think when it when it was when jonathan presented the gospel for me you know he asked me the other day like dang like you just received it I was like, yeah, because I was ready to die, bro. Like, I was done. Like, you know, I had been living in my deception for so long. I was like, bro, like, I'm done with this. And so, you know. The people that are on the edge, the people, like, Morgan received it when she was about to, her marriage was over. Mm -hmm. Tyler received it when he was almost done with Christianity, period. Mm -hmm. Uh my girl Jaja received her when she had just given up. She's mm-hmm. like, what, what can I do? What is there? Um, man, when you hear BB's testimony, 
it's heartbreaking to think where she was, even after believing in Jesus, but not understanding gospel. Mm-hmm. Just that she was, uh, there's no way God could let her into heaven. That blew me away. Um, so little did he know that Biggie made an album about the gospel. No, he didn't. Ready to die. There's no gospel in Ready to Die. Do not go listen to the album right now. Please don't. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite questions to ask people. It's like, yo, are you ready to die? And just because like it's an it's a cutthroat, honest question that like has people question their state of being. Mm. It's like am I am I ready to like give up everything I've known pretty much? Because many times a lot of people are afraid to say yes because they feel as though the other side requires a lot of work. Hmm. You know, they look at, they look at your life lived and they think that's too much for me to actually perform. Like, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for me to like be all in. Like I've never been able to, nor do I think that I will be able to. So like, I'm not ready to commit to this life. Hmm. But if only they would understand it's like, nah, like, Yo, it took me dying to receive what animates my body now. Let's go. So for anybody who's listening, man, y'all better die quick. So, yeah, because when you believe, ain't nothing the same. They ain't on the speech, but we got the flame. Look at the heart. We got the same. And it goes, I talk, they want to attack. Say nothing, but they get mad. Living my life for the kids. I'm West with the biz. I'm all in my bag. So that's a Kanye West reference when I say I'm I'm West with the biz because this boy is like a billionaire now, talking about gospel. You know, Jesus. So, uh, I'm all in my bag. Jesus is king. I'm running for president. A Kanye reference again. <laughs> yeah. Like I know that I know the presidency is over, but Kanye is not crazy. I'm just telling you right now. All of my sins, my God don't remember them. All of my dogs, we know that we innocent. All of these cars, you know that we getting them. Hey, tell my little bro, you know that we getting it. And then it goes into like a thing. It says all of my sin, all of my sin. He washed it away, washed it away. I'm born again. I'm born again. So. Yeah, man. That's, I feel that's like cool. Hot gospel <laughs> lava, bro. bro. Hot gospel lava. Yeah. So. Well, hey, man. Love your story. Love. Uh, we, we carry that same spirit, bro. So it's straight uh, up. Straight up. So thanks for, for coming on. And uh, on the way out, we'll throw on this. Uh, outsiders for these kids because we're doing it for the kids and for the city bro that's it bro (laughs) hey i love you my dog i appreciate you uh doing this man yes sir love you bro
go shoot Can't stop till we make it to the moon It's too late, can't stop it, it's a boom No, I cannot wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive We stay alive, ayy Hey, put your hands down Hey, we ain't coming questions, yeah, we been down Creed, I am Madonna's, watch the hands now Went from thinking broke to living rich now Hey, busting with the twos, you watch me slide now Hey, she look kinda bougie and she bad now Hey, mama think I made it easy, proud now Hey, hey I'm a prince, that's Rakim, that's Rakim 23, check the rings, FOG on my feet, on my soul Jesus Christ set me free, son Only motivation on me now is heavenly Lot of people trying to drain me of this energy I talked to God, told me people's not my enemies I'm cutting ties with the spirits trying to play with me Go shoot. Can't stop till we make it to the moon It's too late, can't stop it, it's a boom No, I cannot wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive We stay alive